Be Fabulous with Vibs and Vicky, the ThinkShift podcast for professionals who aspire to be fabulous leaders, those who not only succeed, but also purposefully seek to reinvent the world. Welcome to the Be Fabulous podcast once again. Hey, Vicky, what are we going to do this time? So, Vips, we are continuing our Fabulous Person's Guide to the Future of Work in 2025. And in episode three, we are discussing adaptability and reskilling is going to matter more than ever. Now, what do we mean by that? As we think about 2025 and the pace of change, the need to be adaptable has always been important, but it's even more important. Why is that, Vips? Well, I think we need to step, take a step back. Because the way I think about it is the sort of macro forces that have been at play for quite some time and probably articulated best in, in Thomas Friedman's book, um, uh, Hot, Flat and Crowded, or Before That, The World is Flat. And it's this basic idea that because the world's getting hotter, more crowded and ultimately flat, and by flat, he, um, he draws a distinction between how fast speed of information moves. So you could argue that in the internet world, you know, information now moves, you know, literally at light speed. And so consequently, that drives how fast we have to move as individuals, managers, leaders, fabulous people. We have to all learn that much faster because because for us to be successful is a function of the speed at which information moves. So if you go back 100 years, we didn't have to move so fast because information had to go across boats or whatever, or tele- telephone lines. So it, it meant that, that you could actually learn slower, be less adaptable if you like. But now the pace is so much, I mean, it's almost instantaneous. We feel it every day, it's frenetic. And so now it, it, it changes the way um, we look at what constitutes being successful is. And I would argue that what post, what sort of COVID has done is it's really accelerated that even further as it's challenged us to work differently. It's challenged us to operate differently. It's challenged us to, in many cases, work from our apartments or our homes um, for things that we would have done in person uh, or in groups, you know, even down to virtual conferences and virtual trainings and virtual holidays and virtual cocktails (laughs) and virtual everything. So, yeah, so that's basically, if we take a step back, I just think that the way to think about it is those things were happening anyway, just going to happen 10 times faster now uh, because COVID gave it an accelerant, Mm -hmm. at least least in the sort of information worker world. So then as we think about functional career paths, they don't make sense anymore, right? Because yeah. it's going to be harder to be successful when you are at the top of your game in business when you don't have expertise across different functional areas like technology, marketing, business. In the past, yeah. you could be an executive in finance or marketing or uh, R&D or technology and maybe become a COO or a COO and, and that would be okay. And now the world requires uh, a, a depth of insight into those areas that you wouldn't have had before. You have to be curious. Or that you wouldn't have needed before, maybe. You wouldn't have needed before. Yeah, yeah. and I think, I think to connect, connect that up to, 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 to the comment I made earlier, if you, if you think about it, the way I try to express it when I teach on this is, or coach on this is, 
it's almost like our value, our intrinsic value as fabulous people on that journey to being fabulous leaders is less about how many years of experience do we have in a particular skill area. And it's more about how quickly can we learn something new and apply it in a way that creates economic value. So it almost matters more how quickly I can learn and apply rather than how much cumulative experience I have over you know years or decades because being able to, re to, to uh, regurgitate the wrong word, but being able to do, to do stuff that you've always done faster is probably not as valuable as being able to learn new things and apply them quickly. And that's totally different. Totally different. And especially if you think about the, the new careers that are out there that weren't there 10, 15 years ago, the new companies that are out there that weren't there 10 or 15 years yeah. ago. I mean, you look at the whole world of, of, of analytics. Or social. Social. Uh, you look at the Ubers. I mean, you name it. The whole business model just yeah. didn't exist before. Well, I mean, even even down to you know, democratization of celebrity through social media and influencers. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we got you know, you got macro stuff, and also inside the organization. We met some of those last week, didn't we? Vince? We we, have, we met some of those last week <laughs> in Miami. Yeah, um, but then there's also you know, if we if we also think about it, even just in our day to day jobs, um, you just, I mean. Anyone who's working in technology finds it so hard to work in an agile way because if you're doing engineering, you have to know a little bit about design and you have to know a little bit about product and you have to know a little bit about so many other skill areas and, and all of that has to kind of interleave seamless, seamlessly. Whereas previously we used to have very hard interfaces or hard, hard responsibility areas. And now we kind of expect that to sort of fungi, you know, to fuse and morph and, and be more, much more fluid you know, in return for, you know, faster times to market or, or quicker time to uh, product feature or whatever it may be. That's, well, that's even, a totally different paradigm. Yeah, and even the dark side of, of technology, you had the software engineering and then the infrastructure support, and it was always the dark and light side, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was completely separated until you got DevOps and now it's like, hey, that makes no sense anymore. Yeah. And I think that's true across all. So, you know, when you bring it back to career paths, I mean, what it, you know, this is quite provocative what I'm about to say, but what it's saying is if we get locked into our functional career paths, whatever they may be, marketing, technology, engineering, um, HR, finance, legal, whatever it is, um, you, I think the consequence of that is going to be that from a business leadership point of view, not from a functional expertise point of view, you, you're just going to, you're going to max out like the ceiling has now lower. So in order to go from awesome manager to a top-notch executive, you, you're going to have to be much more willing to be broader in your skills acquisition rather than narrow in your skills acquisition. Whereas previously you could be narrow in your skills acquisition all the way up to yeah. CMO, so CIO, so CTO, whatever. It's a classic T model, right? The classic T model. But the T, the, I think the T starts lower now. Mm. Um, and that requires a higher level of adaptability sooner and less time because it's moving so fast. And that's what creates stress and anxiety. And I don't know what my career is. I don't know what my job is. I don't know what I should be going for next. Um, because most of corporate America, most of the corporate world is still tied into the idea of what's my next promotion? What's my mm -hmm. next pay rise? What's my next set of responsibilities? Um, Which but is I, usually I, functional. 
which is functional because I don't want people who I've groomed and worked with really well to leave my team. I, I don't want that. I want you to stay in my team because, but I, but, but that might not be generating the right leaders for the future for our organization or for ourselves. Hmm. So as we think, as we think about that, Phipps, as we think about the intersection of these different areas, um, there becomes an inherent value that you get to add even at the lower levels when you start to play between the different functional areas, whether it is in relationship building and connecting the dots and displacing the silos because you're able to operate in a way that gets things done from a a value chain perspective as necessarily than a, I'm in my silo, depending on all these other silos to try and figure this out. So from an inherent business perspective, there's huge value in encouraging people to... Or, or at least the proportion that don't only want to be superstar performers for their career and just get stronger and stronger in their content power area. But if you want to become, you know, a, 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 an awesome manager, a top-notch executive, fabulous leader, you, you're probably going to need a, a, a more complex recipe in terms of your skills, experience and exposure than you would have needed when things weren't moving so fast because adaptability is now so key to driving your value. And quite frankly, content power skills, they, they expire quicker as well. They have a, they have a shorter self, shelf life. So it's, you know, it's hard to rest on your laurels for something you studied for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And if we think about then the challenges of, of, of being comfortable operating in, in the gray zone really is what we're talking about because it isn't d- deep expertise in sure. one particular thing. You're now in this gray zone of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's more of a potluck, right? Well, it's horrible it also. You, don't, you, you have no idea if what you're doing is adding value or not. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to feel insecure is my point. It, it's, it's very easy to feel like you are making it up. Yeah. <laughs> like an imposter. Well, you are. Yeah. You are. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you have to be com- comfortable with the idea that Everyone's making it up to a certain level. Yeah, even yeah. those that are functional experts. Even those that are functional, because things are changing and evolving so fast because of the premium that we associate with innovation. Let's talk a little bit more about that, Phipps. Uh, well, uh, there's many, I mean, there's many people who talk about this way more eloquently than I will, but my simple view is, you know, once we go beyond sort of the information economy, we start moving to the innovation economy, which means that the economy will value how well you can bring new ideas to solve problems and drive markets in new ways, Mm. okay? But that means whenever you innovate, it's inherently, you're taking a risk on something that's never been done before, otherwise it wouldn't be innovation. And so that in itself accelerates adaptability. It forces you to keep inventing, Mm -hmm. creating, innovating, doing new things. And that doesn't work if you at a, a personal level are anchored to how you used to do things. So you have to be more willing, I guess, to blow up whatever it is that you have been doing in order to do what you want to be doing, which is really the, that's where the rubber hits the road from, um, you know, adaptability applied to an organization is having that fine line between efficiency and not, not hardwiring so much that the cost of change becomes too difficult, too much from an organizational standpoint. Yeah. From an individual standpoint, it's some combination of exciting and frightening Scary. and exhausting yeah. all yeah. at the same time. <laughs> and a deep feeling of that imposter, as we touched yeah. on earlier. Yeah. Also means you, it's also why 
you have to, I think you probably have to be so much more, the, the need to have high levels of self-security are much higher in, a, in this world, in an amb ambiguity is normal world, than when you had very clear expectations on what's expected for you in a given role or job. It's hard. So now if we were to make it practical for folks, as we think about practical examples of, of the blend of those, those different roles, you know, I can think of, of one to start with, which is where I moved into after I was a technologist, and you as well, to some degree. Um, and then we started to focus on, on people, people in tech. And we became that conduit between the HR organization who doesn't understand the ins and outs of technology and the technology organization who, who doesn't speak the language of HR. And we were able to move things and evolve things in a way that really worked for technologists and got the best from them and gave them the productivity improvements, but also the, the sense of purpose. Can you yeah. think of other examples as we, as we help yeah, I mean, conceptualize? I, yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because, you know, that's very much, you know, if I'm, You've, your sweet spot is very much in that space, the interface between people, HR and tech. Um, but it's also to marketing. That intersection of technology and marketing is a totally new thing. If you, if you think about 25, 30 years ago, that wasn't, that wasn't what was driving that world. It's much more about the creativity of an idea. Um, and, and, and also in that world, a lot of the large organizations, the, the marketing budget on tech is larger than the tech's budget on tech. Now it is, yeah. 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 Now it is, it completely wasn't. So that interface is a completely different thing as well, which is morphed um, what was a CIO or a CTO's responsibility versus a CMO's responsibility, depending on your organization. So that's all fluid now. And, you know, we just use the word digital because why not? Let's invent another word to call that fusion. But then you've also got it at what I would call an enterprise business level, which is particularly with technology, it's unlocked so many business models that weren't doable before. I mean, you think about AWS, cloud service, you know, whether it's AWS or Microsoft Azure or Google Cloud or yeah, whatever, whatever it is. those things yeah. didn't, they didn't exist before, okay? So they, now the whole idea of, you know, computing by the, you know, metered computing and metered storage and whatever, I mean, it, None of those things were even possible before. And I think, I'm pretty sure that, you know, AWS is now the most profitable part of Amazon um, in a relatively short period of time. Um, so, you know, you've also got, how, you know, how Uber is another example, how Google Maps unlocked Uber. You know, just the fact that everyone's got a GPS knocking around in their phones allowed that business model to exist, which wouldn't have been able to exist either. So I, I think you have these... Um, now, to simplify it, there's definitely a tech to people, there's a tech to marketing, and there's definitely a tech to business model um, at, at the minimum. But what it then means is if you take those career paths, right, then, then it, even if you look at your career, you look at my career, we've orchestrated jumps, yeah, across those so that it's almost like a choreographed tour of duty model rather than a... Um, from one job to the next job to the next job in the same in the same competency area. And how cool would it be if organizations started to choreograph those tours of duty in a more deliberate way? I mean, the irony is 
that's what like GE and IBM were doing in the 70s and 80s. I mean, there's a certain amount of, you know, what goes around comes around, comes around in yeah. this. Um, job there were more job rotations in that, in that space. Wasn't yeah. And so I, whereas, whereas, whereas now we're saying it's a little bit different, isn't it? Um, yeah, but, but, but in terms of practical mechanics, if an organization is trying to put together like a scheme, it feels like a job rotation, yeah. It's going to be some kind of, you know, six months or 12 months or 18 months in a given area. Yeah. Um, but then, so I think you're going to see a reemergence of the formalized hypo program mm -hmm. or the, you know, executive management training track or whatever you want to call it, depending on where, where, you know, your, your, your talent is identified early, your potential is identified early and your career is choreographed within an organization to hit all the most, for the large companies, this is possible for smaller companies, it's much harder where you're, 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 you know, you're creating those experiences over a five, six, seven year period um, in return for that person continuing to feel stretched and feeling like they're learning and growing with the potential for leadership upside if they stick it out, which is wonderful, by the way, given, I can't remember the latest stats, but it's something like um, in the world we're operating in, particularly in the marketing and tech world, I think we're looking at between 28 and 35% attrition every year anyway. So it, it it, you know, you do want to look after your crown jewels. System. Yeah, it's a feeder system. Yeah. But also yeah. keep the best. Yeah. Nurture the best and keep the best because it hurts so much when your best walk away. But I, I, think, I think this is something which I don't think everyone's wrapped their heads around yet because um, quite frankly, if you're, not, if you're the kind of person that doesn't like adaptability and ambiguity and volatility and uncertainty, then you just want to know what your job is and what you're being measured on and, and an easy way to work X hours a day or week. And so you want the stability. You, you don't want, you don't want the adaptability. And that's kind of the conundrum for organizations because we want the talent to be much more adaptable. But, but at the same time, many people just want a clear expectation on their jobs and you can't have both. Safe and steady. Yeah. Or maybe you do want both depending on the relative economic value of whatever it is that you're producing. And do you feel safe enough? You know, what are those guardrails? Yeah, but imagine a world, right, where no one felt the need to, f no one felt the need to feel unsafe from a professional point of view. Ah, oh, wonderful. Dream world. So, so maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's just the failure of the way our whole education system works. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But... But my point is, I think in the corporate world now, we're making a lot of concessions for things that it would have been great if we'd solved further downstream before they entered your organization. So we, but that's not, real, that's not reality. The reality no, yeah. is no. everyone's got their fears and anxieties and yeah. challenges. That's a whole other podcast, Vips. That is a whole other podcast. <laughs> but, but, it, but it's a really interesting idea, right? If, 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 if value is going to be how well you can adapt... And, and function in highly fluid and adaptable environments, then it means that you have to be really comfortable with the idea that things aren't clear. Yeah. That's hard. That's a, that's a hard thing to rewire. It's a really hard thing to rewire when you think about how the brain is wired for safety and security and status quo. And being Everything loved, that, being, being wanted, loved. being needed. <laughs> Everything that feels... Because what we're talking about is, is, right now it feels like uncharted territory. Maybe when we're doing our podcast in 15 years, it'll be the, the norm. But right now it feels very, 
very different than the way functional career paths are formed. Yeah. But I'll tell you, whoever figures this out, they're going to end up, they're going to end up with a really happy workforce and they're going to have very low levels of attrition. Yeah. Um, and people are going to ask them how they do it. Right. And when they explain it, no one's going to understand. <laughs> Not for a long You'll time. You'll feel like black magic. Good black magic. So as we think about then the key ingredient, as we touched on a few times, to be willing to be fluid, deal with ambiguity, be in the gray. If you are somebody who, who feels insecure and likes the status quo, even though there's a part of you that, that wants that excitement, but at your root, you want to feel safe. How, how, do, we, how do we help, or how do they help themselves um, rewire how they think about yeah. ambiguity and grayness and their role? Well, I'm kind of glad that many people have this problem, otherwise we wouldn't have a business. <laughs> um, we are fine. No, we are no, busier what, than ever. <laughs> no, what, what I, look, what it boils down to is whether we take a neuroscience type technique or whether we apply, take a psychology type technique, what we're trying to get to is what is blocking us and making us feel whether it's unsafe, unneeded, unwanted, um, uh, what's what's... What's getting in our way in terms of making us make those decisions to be much more comfortable in those environments? And it's usually, I mean, it's usually a common set of things. It's, I don't want to screw up. I'm scared to lose my job. Uh, I don't want someone to think I didn't do a good job. Uh, money, what, how am I going to, I don't want to risk this, the, the paycheck to paycheck, um, security that I have, all of those sorts of things. Or or maybe it's even, I don't want to risk the fact that I'm about to make a killing because the company's about to, you know, I don't know, uh, be acquired or, or float or whatever. So, so I think that process of figuring out um, <clears throat> what's, what's getting in someone's way is the only real way to solve it, meaning you have to solve it at an individual level. I don't know, I don't think you can solve it at a organizational level because because it's not organizational fear, it's a person fear, it's a, it's a human thing. It's individual. It's individual. So, you know, this is kind of where we, I guess we get back to, I guess we get back to, you know, what is a fabulous person? Because you know, we, we've, we've anchored this whole idea that, that to be a fabulous leader in the future, you have to be highly adaptable. And the only way you're gonna be highly adaptable is being predisposed to wanting to rewire yourselves periodically. And so I guess we're, we, we, we come back to, our fabulous person non-negotiables, which are uh, the hallmarks, if you like, the, the signposts that, that, well, that we use. I mean, forget anyone else. We use those to detect whether we feel we can help someone to get comfortable with being in the gray and rewire their habits of success. So, I mean, I guess many people on this podcast won't have remembered that. So maybe you should do us a quick, uh, quick summary. A quick reminder. Yeah. All right, I was, I was giving Vips a, a silly example before, but I'm going to use it because it's, it's kind of a helpful one as we think about this. But if you imagined that you wanted to take your business, whatever it is, and have a thriving business on Mars in 2030, let's just make up a random number. Highly unlikely, but imagine that that's the case. Let me walk you through the four non-negotiables and why they're so important to have people who want to follow you to Mars. So the first non-negotiable of a fabulous person is to be a, an effective communicator. So what does that mean? Well, you have to be able to inspire people about why 
going to Mars and creating a business is a good idea and that they want to follow you to do that. So if you can't communicate that journey to them, they're never going to follow you. So you, you, you're you dead to start with. This, this business idea is not going anywhere. The second is energy and desire to succeed uh, or grit and hustle. Now, if you think about the journey to Mars, even if we say it's 2050 or 2080, that is the year that we're going to get there, the hurdles are going to be humongous. So you have to have the energy and desire to really believe that it's worth the journey to overcome those hurdles and come up with new things. There'll be new technology, there'll be new ways of being, there'll be new whatevers that we haven't thought about yet because that's the beauty of the expansive universe we live in. But you have to be willing because it's going to get hard. There's going to be obstacle after obstacle. There's gravity. There's well, and, and, you may, and you may not even get there in your lifetime. Someone else <laughs> might benefit from that later on. <laughs> yeah, Mars might be <laughs> way beyond two lifetimes, but hey. And not if Elon gets his way. <laughs> exactly. He can lead the way for our business. So then the third non-negotiable is, is you have to have your ethics and values aligned to the environment you find yourself in. So what does that mean? It practically means you have to want to go to Mars. If you don't want to go to Mars, you're not going to put in the effort to overcome those obstacles and make that work. It's just never, ever going to work. So that is a really key part of this, this journey is, is, are you excited to go to Mars? Do you want to go to Mars? Because unless you do with all your soul, it's never going to work. You're never going to get there. And then the fourth is you have to have an inside-out mentality, meaning you have to be willing to look at what you can do differently, not blame others, take self-responsibility, because the journey to Mars is going to be so hard as we try and figure out the different ways to get there. And everybody needs to figure out how quickly can they learn and adapt to this new and changing environment as we overcome gravity and different forces that are going to get us to a place where we can live on Mars. And we can't be defensive and locked down. We have to continually want to understand and look at our blind spots so that we can operate as seamlessly as a team as possible to have a, a fighting chance to even get to Mars. So in a nutshell, those are the four non-negotiables. Being a fabulous communicator, energy and desire to succeed, your ethics and values aligned to the environment you find yourself in, and having an inside-out mentality. And if you have those four, no matter what goes on in any situation, you are going to thrive because you have the core traits that make you adaptable. They're also the things that take forever to learn, which is why we call them the non-negotiables. You can't just learn to inspire people and be an amazing communicator and, you know, after going on a training course, having a bit of coaching, it takes, it takes years. So these non-negotiables are the non-negotiables because if, if you've two or more missing, you're just never going to be adaptable. It's never going to work out. So Bips and I actively help our clients recruit for them, develop fabulous leaders against them because they're that important for the future world. And even if you have them, you have to keep working on them because they're like yeah. muscles. They atrophy yeah. if you don't use them. They do because our brain wants to be lazy. You're lazy. <laughs> lazy. Especially as we get older, you know, everything becomes more scary. I don't know. I, I know pretty lazy. I know, I know a lot of lazy young people as well, Vicky. <laughs> yeah. like, don't make us old before our time. We've got enough True. to worry about. True. That's usually your, your, your duty for us. <laughs> But you know, you know what's interesting. I, I love the way you recap that. It's brilliant, and and it made me also think that if you think about if you think about that, then it also means that there's gonna they're not gonna be everyone's not gonna be fabulous, right? Everyone's not gonna everyone's not gonna meet the non-negotiable threshold. And so, what I'd encourage everyone to think who's listening to this is, well, 
If you do hit those, then you have an obligation and duty to lead those who will struggle. And we don't, we, don't, we haven't got enough of that either. We haven't got the leaders who are out there um, doing enough of that to help deal with some of the pain and anguish that we're experiencing right across the world right now, whether it's, you know, whether, whether the world is definitely polarizing right now. And that, that requires, that requires, you know, that is a leadership challenge on steroids for us as, uh, you know, not just inside our companies and our organizations, but, but, but for our cultures, our nations, our, our world against, you know, just unprecedented um, global challenges that we face as well. And, and so hopefully, you know, this isn't just about how, how do I get to the next promotion and, and, and get the next pay rise. You'll certainly get that. But, but if, you have a, um, if you have those qualities, then, then I, I would suggest it would be good to experience those as an obligation to try to pay it forward and create some legacy around, around, the, around the impact you're going to leave on the people that you touch and the, uh, and the environment that you operate in. Yeah, and, and as, as you think about operating in the gray, you know, go inwards and figure out which is the next functional area that excites you. You know, start there. Don't try and tackle one that you find boring as anything. You know, really find the one that, that lights you up and have you have passion around. And even if your organization doesn't support tours of duties and role rotations, there are a lot of informal things you can do, um, which I'm going to touch on in a second. But but really see that because what Vips and I both experienced and seen many of our clients experience is the more you're willing to operate in the gray across these different areas, the more your market worth increases because you have a different level of value that makes you, it's very hard for someone else to compete with you because you don't neatly fall into one box. The inherent value is seen because you provide a perspective in a range of different ways. You can get things done in a range of different ways that people in functional areas um, have a different way of doing, so it gives you a very different market premium, which is which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's really yeah, you know, that's to hammer that home. What I see a lot, bearing in mind the audience group that I work with, predominantly very senior executives, they will make roles for people that they don't want to lose. Agreed. Yeah, it's Agreed. almost like you only know how fabulous you are if an environment makes a role for you because it doesn't want to lose you because it sees the value that you bring. That's very different than, than going after a published role because the implication there is lots of people can do that role. Therefore, it's by definition not particularly unique and therefore is, a lot of competition. is more substitutable. Yeah. Yeah? So, but I see it all the time where entire roles that never existed before suddenly get created because that person has to be around. <laughs> You know, and that's that's a really good aspiration to have um, if you're on that journey to be a fabulous leader. I love that. So as we think about uh, the Vicky challenge, um, oh, if you have <laughs> if you have a desire to to be adaptable and and learn how to become more and more adaptable, for the next thirty days, we are going to encourage you to do a number of different things, and it's all based on daily looking for opportunities to be adaptable. Now, what do we mean by that? So one example is getting comfortable making decisions with less information than you like. You know, many of us like to have every part of the equation figured out before we make a decision. Stop at 80% and make your decision. In 20% of the time. In 20% of the time. <laughs> 
Another example, as you're looking for daily opportunities to be adaptable, is start reaching out to people who are not in your functional area and getting to know, especially the ones that you're passionate about, the areas you're passionate about, and start getting to know what's going on in their area. What are their challenges? What are they looking for? And see if there's some sort of intersection in what you do and what they need and find if there's an informal way where you can start to help them. Maybe, maybe it's a couple of hours, a month, um, but that's going to light up your soul as it's an area of your passion and it's going to start to allow you to create inherent value as you start to join the dots across the organization. Any others, Vips, that come to mind? Uh, probably the only other one I'd maybe add, it's probably more on the introspection side, but maybe take five minutes out of your day and just for five minutes, you know, you can close your eyes, um, breathe deeply if you like, and just ask yourself, what makes me feel unsafe or insecure? And then just, just do why, 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 why? Pretend you're a three-year-old child. Why, 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 why? Uh, and and you'll, you'll probably be surprised if you do that every day for two or three weeks, you'll be surprised at how many times you end up in exactly the same place for multiple symptoms, if you will. Um, and that can give you a really good insight into whether you are, whether you are being blocked by something because it's habitual or whether you're being blocked by something blocked by something because it really is important uh, to you. And you'd be surprised how many times just because we've just fallen into that habit rather than something that we've actually, that actually makes sense. So that's probably the, the five minute challenge to add to your, the five minute challenge for each 30 days would be a really good thing to do as well. I love it. And, and as you're thinking about um, the asking why, I would also encourage you to start to ask why in your daily world as well. You know, why, why do things operate the way they do? Because as soon as you start getting curious about things, you're going to find opportunities to be adaptable and do things differently. So that would be another idea to add into this mix. So with that, uh, I hope you enjoyed our podcast on, on why adaptability and reskilling is going to matter more than ever and, and how to think about how to think about your own journey and whether it's something you are wanting to do. And with that, have a fabulous time and be fabulous. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. <laughs>